I am inclusive. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. Isn't it amazing how at times children can actually live out Christ likeness much more effectively than those called to do so as a vocation. Many of those times happens without the child having been taught the golden rule, nor having any parent find it important to expose their child to a Bible verse or two. Somehow, kids just have that something that allows them to interact with each other on the most basic human level, person to person. No judgments. No political correctness, no muck to wade through. And in the immortal words of Mr. Charles, they are just making it do what it do. They're just simple kids enjoying fellowship. Such is the case with the interactions between two elementary school children, we'll just say are from the opposite sides of the track. The rural South in 1966 can be remembered by some as a glorious time to be alive. But for others, it was a time of forced transitions many of them were not ready to accept, let alone be voluntarily recruited to be the lightning rod of those changes. Still, that's exactly where little Edward found himself, about to board for the first time the approaching school bus that had day by day passed him in a cloud of dust as he walked to school on the unpaved road on which he lived. And he never understood the jeers that was hurled at him out of those windows of the bus. On this day, however, because of some new laws, he understood even less that same bus was forced to stop and pick him up. He heard over and over again in his psyche, the stern words his parents had drilled into him. You are not what people call you. Don't listen to what anybody says about you. You are a child of God and he loves you. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. You better not sit at the very back of that bus. Over time, the strength it took to live up to those commands of his parents, while also ignoring the ignorance residing on that bus, helped to mold Edward into one of the most popular kids in his school and on the bus. He now enjoyed the approach of the bus. He relished the friendships of some of his newly found buddies that rode on that route. And soon he stood among the first picked teammates of every game they played at recess. Okay, that advice his parents gave him on that first day wasn't so useless after all. And now Eddie, the name his friends call him now, had blended in 
and was being transformed unknowingly into the friend one future newcomer would desperately need to endure the miles-long route to their elementary school. 1968 ushered that newcomer, David, onto the bus, who was met with the same unwelcoming blank stares aimed directly at him. Only now, Eddie's was one of them. The kids in the front reacted wildly to the odor that seemed to come from David's clothes as he walked the narrow aisles of the bus. Each, in turn, acted as if they were choking, holding their noses and laughing as he passed by them and made his way to the very last seat at the very back of the bus. Once seated, he dropped his head in shame and rode in that posture the remainder of the route. When everyone exited, he made sure he was the last one to make matters worse. Often, David had to wait for the bus driver to put all the windows down to add a bus out before leaving. After several weeks and from a distance, Eddie noticed that David appeared to love the experience of school, but he did so in silence and seclusion. He often missed days, though, and they often seemed to be unexpected. Then, in a pattern, he'd show up again, only to repeat it throughout the year. One day during lunch, Eddie glanced over at a table where David had sat all alone for all this time, and it suddenly came clear. His interest in David was his realization that David was obviously trapped in the same experience of rejection he had somehow been blessed to escape. Before he thought about it fully, he had walked over to the table where David sat and asked if he could join him to eat lunch. At first, the silence between them was deafening and so awkward. The distant stares of the others in the cafeteria seemed to encompass their table. But eventually, they were just two boys talking and getting to know each other. Without fail, every day that followed, David would board the bus with his eyes instantly seeking a seat next to Eddie. And there he would sit in silence, seemingly content to have just someone to sit with. One day he did open up and Eddie found him to be quite funny. And the conversations they had on the bus made it more enjoyable than it had been before though his initial friends appeared not too pleased with his newly found allegiance. Still, throughout the school year, they continued to learn more about each other on those long morning and afternoon rides to and from school. Eventually, a friendship was forming. Yes, Eddie smelled the urine-soaked clothes that his friend David had on. He saw the dirt that held tightly to the skin Behind his ears, he understood why others may have distanced themselves from him. And yes, David saw that Eddie was the only black child on the bus. Nonetheless, the similarities the two shared linked them even more tightly. They naturally became friends and they canceled out every other thing that served to repel others away from them. Unfortunately, their freshman year in high school 
caused a permanent and final separation between them. David had decided to quit school to find a job. He explained his reason was to help his father pay bills and provide for the family. Like all such separations will eventually do, contact between them grew fewer and farther between. Then it simply stopped. Gathering the mail from his street side mailbox, Ed, now 42 years old, noticed a letter with the return address with the only writing on it saying, David. Excitedly, Ed rushed into the house and opened the letter and within minutes found it very hard to read one word through the tears welling in his eyes. It read, Hi, my friend Eddie. Over the last 35 years, I have reflected on our relationship quite often. And the best way I know to express my gratitude towards you is this. I cannot remember a day when my parents were not able to feed me and my brothers and sisters. Yet you somehow saw a real hunger in me to have a friend of my own. And a thirst that I held for someone other than my siblings. Someone I could sit with at lunchtime and talk to on the bus that accepted me for who I am. Not for what I did not have. Not for what I looked like or what I smelled like. I didn't know how you knew it, but I nearly always felt like a stranger among my own classmates, and the times you carved out to spend time with me gave me a sense of belonging and took away those shameful moments that consistently hounded me and demanded me to withdraw into a distant corner. I never could have had the good clothes that you and all those other guys had, but You never made me feel less than because of my tattered appearance. I was never naked, but in the eyes of the world, I was covered in shame. But somehow you covered me with a warmth that no amount of new clothing could ever afford. You wrapped a cloak of compassion and love around me that I continue to cherish to this day. Yeah. I heard the snickers and the ugly comments against you for choosing me over them. Still, you gave me the healing experience I needed so desperately to get me through those times. And you gave me a sense of true friendship. So I'm thankful for not having to continue enduring the ugly disease of rejection and loneliness for the full length of my years there. Even when the realities of poverty and social abandonment caused me to want to sink back into a new bout of depression. Every morning, I look forward to seeing that yellow school bus come around the corner to pick me up. Because I knew you somehow, some way or another, would have the key to unlock that prison that held me full of self-hate and you would invite me into your world if no more than the few miles we could share together in our seat on the bus on the way to school. I felt to be the least in many occasions with all the people that surrounded us 
but you always allowed me to feel equal to, if not the most, every day. And I thank you. Your friend, David. Are we who are called as God's representative inclusive enough? Do we seek out those who are hurting and need just that friendly touch, that human compassion, that experience of belonging? I am is inclusive and he shall return to reward those who have shown compassion to the least of these. Do we qualify? Just asking.